Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to Reaching the Masses Media Ministry. And I am your host, Evangelist Portia Mike Iver. Welcome to our high noon prayer. Thank you for listening to or on Facebook, Periscope, Instagram, um, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thank you for everyone who is listening live there. And, of course, as I usually say, if you are on YouTube, please like, subscribe, give us a thumb up, thumbs up, Subscribe and hit that bell if you want to be notified when we're going to be on again. Um, This is our high noon prayer, and I'm going to do my announcement like I do every Wednesday. So hold on to your ears. Welcome to high noon prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're coming to you today. From the book of Hebrews. But before we do that, I also want to announce our Sunday services every Sunday live on the aforementioned platforms Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Periscope, and SoundCloud. I missed one. What did I miss? <laughs> this is live, y'all. This is what happens when you're live. Um, what's the other one? YouTube. Yes, I did say YouTube. And on um, Blog Talk Radio. I thank God for Blog Talk Radio. I like going live. And we're going to get more into it because we're going to start having call-ins and all of that. But I thank God for what I'm doing now because it's good to spread the world all around, you know, I'm this thing is reaching over into Ireland and Alaska, and I would have never went to Ireland or Alaska, maybe Alaska, but never Ireland, because I'm not a traveler, but I thank God for what is going on with this ministry, the Reaching the Masses Media Ministry, and we're going to do a little housework before we um, go into our scripture. As I said, we're coming from Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the 24th verse. But before we read that, um, let me do a little housework first. Of course, I have already announced, and if you're on Blog Talk, then I think I did it on there too. But don't forget to go to um, 
oh, what is the name of that thing? Where Toddy is. Go find me. I don't know why I can't keep that in my head. I think of everything else but go find me. But go to go find me and find the name Natasha Breton. Her nickname is Toddy. The way she has it there is Natasha Toddy Breton. Um, that's my niece. She has cancer and um she is fighting this thing. She just had her fourth round of chemo. But the thing that really um I can't say worries because I'm not worried. I believe she's gonna come through. I came through, my sister Melissa came through. Melissa was stage four. And I had thyroid cancer. And I made it through, y'all. I made it through. I didn't have the chemo. I had the radiation. I couldn't have anybody around me. They let me come home after the operation. But I, my children couldn't be around me or anything. That was a major letdown because it had to be a time when no one can be around you. So um, it's not good. Cancer is not good at all. And anybody who's out there that have had it or a relative has had it, you know how it is. Whether they have chemo or whether they have radiation, you know it's not a good thing. That much radiation and other people can't come around you, my God. That was that was a terrible thing at the time, you know, but I made it through. Hallelujah. My sister Melissa, she made it through with her chemo and whatever treatment she had. And she's doing fine today. And to, this year is my 11th year free from cancer. Amen. Hallelujah. And I thank God. For it, you know, I often think about it. I don't think there's a month that goes past that I don't think about it, and I thank him for it, you know. And now with Tati going through this, then yeah, that brings it to my memory. And I, I, you know, I'm so sorry. I, I don't like this, but you know what? She will be be healed too. Amen. Because God said He would bless you and your family, and those who are far off. Amen. She is family, so he's going to bless her too. And my other niece, Tia Cook, she's over in North Carolina. She also has cancer. I ask you all prayer for her. She has two types of cancer. One appeared, and she didn't go to the doctor, because, you know, she has a career, and anyway, she didn't go to the doctor before we knew it. It had spread to another place, and she's been battling this now for a while, so just pray for her. Her name is Tia Cook. We ask for your prayers for her, that God will heal her and pull her through. Hallelujah. It's good, y'all, when the doctor says something, when he says he sees cancer cells, that means there's cancer there somewhere or it's beginning. So go to your doctor, get to your doctor, especially, hallelujah, if your doctor says to take care of yourself or that you have a um, gene or whatever 
that could cause cause cancer. Nowadays, they can find out if you're going to have cancer. There is another uh, Facebook friend that I have, and her mother had breast cancer. And, um, yeah, that was not a good thing. I followed her over the years, and she's a very outgoing young lady. She told us what happened. We met her mother, and she went through that whole thing with her mother. Her mother passed away. And um, she went to her doctor and asked her doctor, did she, would she have that problem? He said there was a high percentage that she would. So she literally got her breast removed. Now, she didn't have cancer, but she got her breast removed because she didn't want to go through that. And according to what her doctor said, that she probably would get that breast cancer. So she had her breast removed because she has two children. She wants to be around for her children and her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, if God sees fit. Plus, she's married. She wants to be around for her husband also. Amen? So talk to your doctor. Find out what's going on with your body because that thing called cancer is no joke. Amen? Hallelujah. Let us go into the scripture, and as I said, we're coming from Hebrews 10, 23, and it reads, it reads as thus, let us hold fast to our profession, for he is faithful that promises. Let us hold fast our profession, for he is faithful that promises. I sit here, and I was asking the Lord, Okay, Lord, what do you want me to speak on today? Because I do this every Wednesday at high noon. Like I told you, hold your ears, because I was going to do my announcement, that high noon prayer announcement. Because um, that's what it was when I came on at high noon. Amen. But um, he was talking to me about, now he's been talking to me often about Joseph. That's uh book in the uh, scripture in the Bible about Joseph's life, I don't know. I stay in that because that touches my heart, you know. It's something about Joseph. There's a connection with Joseph. Joseph was uh, one of the 12. Hallelujah. Jacob had 12 sons, and Joseph was one of the 12. And the brothers were jealous of Joseph. And if you go, well, we'll leave this description, the book in the description or wherever we can, wherever it is on Blog Talk or any of the other platforms, we'll leave the scriptures there. But Joseph, it just touches my heart. And I have read over and over and over again. Each time I just want to cry. But then there's a rejoicing at the end Hallelujah. But yet and still, there's a form of sadness in me because he had to go through a lot. But how many of us know that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and to them who are the called according to his purpose? To whose purpose? To God's purpose. God has a purpose for all of our lives. And if we keep the faith in him, then we will make it through. 
you know that there is a God, and when you know that you are his child, you keep the faith in him and his words. No matter what happened, I had the scripture, I think it was last night, called Pitbull Faith. You have to have that Pitbull Faith because he that promises is faithful. Hallelujah. Joseph went through all that he went through. But first, we're going to Abraham. You see, I jumped on Joseph because that's my favorite one. But Abraham, that's the next favorite one. Abraham, hallelujah, was an idol worshiper. His father was the maker of whatever idol they worshiped. And God chose Abraham, or Abram at that time. He chose him out from among all those people that were in the world. At that time, he chose Abram and then changed his name to Abraham. Amen? The father of all nations. Our idol God maker, because he and his father were in business together. He was born into that business. Hallelujah. And he gave Abraham a promise after he called him. And after Abraham, after Abram heard the promise, he obeyed the promise, he heard God's voice. Elohim, God Almighty, he heard his voice. And he obeyed when he said, come out from among your kindred and be ye separated. And that's just what Abram did. Now he's this idol God maker. And he hears this voice in his heart or in his ears. I doesn't say where he heard it at. But he believed it. And he came out from among his kindred. Because they were idol worshippers. Came out from among his kindred, not knowing where he was going. But the voice stayed with him. God talked with him the whole time. See, nowadays people would say, oh, my God, they're hearing a voice. And they're going to send you to a therapist. Mm. But sometimes, if we hear a voice and we know that it's right, you need to follow that voice. Now, if you know that it's wrong, you rebuke that voice. But Abraham followed the voice of God. Hallelujah. And in that wilderness, or on the way to the promised land, Hallelujah. He went through many things. They fought a war. He had a battle with Lot because he told Abraham and Sarah to leave their kindred. Not Lot. Lot took his nephew with him. Let me tell you, y'all, when God says to do something, you don't add nothing to it. Amen. But Abraham added a couple of things unto that whole thing. Number one, he took his nephew Lot with him, which caused troubles down the line. Then he turned around, and because of Sarah, who doubted a little, you know, well, she doubted a lot, because she looked at herself, and she said, there's no way I'm going to have a baby. Maybe God meant, don't ever say that when God tells you something. Don't ever say, well, I hear it, what the word said. I hear this word, but maybe he meant there, well, you know what you just did? You put yourself in the place of God, and you will always go wrong when you second-guess God. That's the 
lesson in that scripture, don't ever second-guess God. What God says, he means. God said it, that settles it. You better believe it. Amen. Don't try to add on. Don't try to take away. In 24 years after the birth of Ishmael, Sarah had a child. Amen. It took Abraham 20, well, I'm sorry, 25 years, I believe it was, after they went and and after they went into the wilderness, y'all, okay? It took 25 years for them to have that child. And within that time is when Sarah doubted and they had, well, Hagar. When Sarai sent Abraham or Abram into Sarai's tent. And I'm not going into the whole story. I'll go into it another time. Because each one of these patriarchs, I'm going to do a whole lesson on them. Um, but Sarai, and that was her name before she became Sarah, but she sent Abraham, Abram, into the tent of her handmaiden, <laughs> Hagar. And Hagar conceived a son. And called him Ishmael. Now Hagar was an Egyptian. She conceived a son. And called him Ishmael. And so. You know. Abraham took that as his son. So he figured that was God. That was God's promise to him. Maybe God got it wrong. Maybe he wanted me. You know what. That was ridiculous. But we're going to move on. Um, But after they got into the wilderness, while they were on their way to the promised land, it took 25 years for Abram, who God changed his name to Abraham, took 25 years for that promise to come to pass. And by that time, Abraham was in the hundreds, and Sarah was in her 90s, way past the stage where a woman is able to conceive a child, even in those days. But see, God has a, had a purpose. He had a plan. And when God has a purpose and a plan for your life, you might have to go through some things. And remember, through those particular times, you may make a mistake. Amen. Anything can happen, but you still hold on to faith. Hallelujah. For he that promises is faithful. If he made a promise to you, he is faithful to bring it to pass. It took 25 years for that baby to come into fruition. Imagine 99 years old, and all of a sudden you're pregnant, and you're walking around there with all of the young girls. They're pregnant, and you're pregnant, and they're looking at you, passing by you, looking at you, snickering. She wasn't ashamed. She was proud. Amen. And later on, after nine months had passed, Isaac was born. And she did everything that the young girls did. She nursed her son. She raised her son. Hallelujah. And Abraham, of course, he loved him. Now, we're not going through the whole story, but suffice it to say, it took 25 years for Isaac to be born. Okay? Now let us go to Joseph. 
Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob. He made Jacob a coat of many colors. The other boys went out in the field because they were all older than Joseph. And Joseph was the one who would go out in the field to make sure that the older boys were not in mischief and to take them their lunch. And that's what he did. When he went out to where they were supposed to be, they weren't there. And there was a man in the field, and he asked them, did he know where his brothers were? Everybody knew everybody around in the area. So he told me, yeah. He said they went over into the next town, and that's where uh, Joseph found them at. And hallelujah. Mm. When he went there, and they said to themselves, uh, here come the troublemaker. Because, see, Joseph had had some dreams. And his dreams showed that he was going to end up being head over them. Even his parents rebuked him when he said he saw 12 stars. He dreamed about, what, 12 stars? I think it was 11, 12, 13, 12 stars and or 13 stars. I forgot which one it was. But he dreamed of stars and all of them. 11, 13, 13 stars. That was 11 brothers and his mother and his father. That's what the stars represented. Now, he didn't understand that, but that's if you count the number of brothers, there were 12 brothers. And he said the stars gave homus, homus, whatever you call it, to him. In other words, the stars bowed down to him. And he couldn't figure out what it meant. But when he told his mother and his father, his mother and his father scolded him. And what his father said, and and let me put it in today's language, you mean we're going to bow down to you? Joseph stopped being a dreamer. So, and that wasn't the only dream he had. He had two dreams. Anyway, the father sent him out there in the field and that's why when he came out there, he found his brother, and one of the brothers, Reuben, said, oh, here comes the dreamer. And they took that boy, and they cast him into a pit. Really, they wanted to kill him, but Reuben, the oldest, said, no, let us not kill our brother. And Reuben went off, and the brothers got among themselves and said, no, we don't want to kill him because he's our flesh and blood. But let us cast him over into the pit. Their goal was to cast him over into the pit. And it had no water. It was a dry pit. Over into a dry well, that's what it was. And they were going to lift him up when they finished doing their mischief. But, and then they went on, you know. But then a group of Ishmael, or Ishmael, I believe it's called, and um, they passed by, and then another group passed by, and somehow they got him out there, and they sold him to mm, they sold him to a group of slave traders. This boy, Hallelujah, who was his father's favorite child, got sold off as a slave. They took him out of that well. They went on, and they sold him as a slave. He ended up in the house 
of a ruler, or an Egyptian ruler. And we know the story. But let me cut this one short. Like I said, I'll do some teaching on it after a while. It took Joseph 13 years to reach where God wanted him to reach. Because, see, he didn't know it. But there was a famine coming into that area, into Egypt and out in wherever they were. There was a great famine coming, a famine of seven years. And Joseph was the one who ended up doing what needed to be done. Hallelujah. To bring all of them through the family. But not only that, his brothers and his mother and his father ended up coming to him. And Joseph was the head. So his dream came true. But it took 13 years for it to come true. From 17 to 30. 13 years. He went to prison. He went. He was sold into slavery. And then they took him and they used him and he helped the head man there in Egypt. Then turned around he was accused falsely. Then they threw him into prison, stayed there for 13 years. Uh, anyway, long story short, Joseph stayed in prison for a while. It took 13 years for the promise to come to pass. But he is faithful who promises. Joseph went down there, and he was trained down there in that prison, in that pit where he was. Because he came out of a pit and he ended up in another pit, which was called a prison. But the head of the prison turned everything over to Joseph. Hmm, odd, huh? Then turn around, there was Moses. And we all know the story of Moses. Moses was raised in an Egyptian because Pharaoh was killing all the babies. His mom listened to God and put him in a basket. Hallelujah. That basket was, she put pit around that basket so that the basket would not leak. And it also helped that basket to float. And she covered that basket. And the basket floated down the river and over into the territory of the king. The king's daughter was out there taking a bath out in the river. I believe it was the Nile River. She was taking a bath out in the river, she and her handmaiden, and she saw this basket among the bulrush. Bulrush, cattails, that's what they're called. They eat the big things grow up out of the water. She saw a basket over there. She sent her handmaidens over there to see what it was. And when they went over there, and they were looking, so she went over and she found this baby. She picked the baby up, fell in love. She didn't know whether it was Egyptian or whatever. She just knew that she had found a baby. And guess what? She raised that baby as an Egyptian. But that baby was not an Egyptian. That baby was Hebrew. But that baby grew up. Let us jump to the future of Moses. That baby grew up. And when he grew up, he ended up finding out that he was not Egyptian, but a Hebrew. Mm. And when he found that out, God began to talk to his heart and tell him who he was. He knew that he would be the leader because he got tired of seeing his people 
who were oppressed, who were slaves. He got tired of seeing them beat. Hallelujah. Treated like they were nothing. And he knew that he was Hebrew, so he could not continue to be what he they had raised him to be. Though he was raised up in Pharaoh's house, and he dressed beautifully, he was clean, but he looked at his brothers or his kinfolk, his people, and they were all sun-worn, sun-burnt. They were raggedy. They looked like slaves look, you know? But he compared himself to them, and he knew that he didn't fit in. He didn't even think like an Egyptian. He had a pure heart, an humble heart, like the Hebrew people. And he was out there one day, and he saw one of his Hebrew brethren whipped by one of the Egyptians. And he got so mad. Anger built up in him. That anger rose up in him so that he killed that Egyptian that was beating the Hebrew. Amen. Mm. Then, when he saw what he had did, and his own kinfolk, his own brethren, his own people, when he saw that they were out there and they started fighting, and he told them, he said, "Don't let us not fight among one one another." And they told him, "Who are you to tell me?" And they reminded him that he had killed that Egyptian guard the day before. And when Moses heard that, he knew he was in trouble. So he escaped. He left and went out into the wilderness and stayed out there for 40 years. He was so far out in the wilderness that even Pharaoh couldn't find him. But he stayed out there for 40 years. In the wilderness, yeah, he found a wife. He ran upon this man who lived in the wilderness, lived out in the desert. Some people live out in the desert. That's their home. That's what they're used to. So he went out there and he found this man and the man had daughters and like I said, I'll tell these stories another time and go through the whole thing. I'm just giving you a scant version of it right now. But he found this man out there and he had daughters and he married one of the daughters. So he lived out there raising sheep and cattle and all of that for 40 years until one day up on this mountain, because out there was a mountain. And up on this mountain, he saw something, and he didn't know what was what, but something was calling him to the mountain. So he climbed the mountain. Hallelujah. And on that mountain, mm, anyway, let us go forward. When he heard what God said, he left the wilderness, left his wife, left his sons, and got in trouble because he had not um, circumcised one of his sons. But his wife saved him, and she circumcised the son. Because he was so intent on getting to Egypt, because he knew who he was, and he knew that God was telling him to go back to Egypt. So that's what he was going to do. No matter what, he was leaving everything else behind. He was going to Egypt because he knew what his calling was. 
Now, he had stayed out in the wilderness for 40 years before God called him into his calling. Amen. The first time he made a mistake, he did like Sarah did. He tried to do it himself. But when God calls you, wait on God. He knows what he's doing. And in trying to do it himself, he ended up having to hide in the wilderness for 40 years. Okay, we have Abraham, 25 years. We have Joseph, 13 years. And we have Moses having to hide out for 40 years. But it took that long for the pharaoh that was in office that knew what he had did. It took that long for that pharaoh to die. And a new pharaoh was in his place. Hallelujah. All right, that's um, Moses. Then there was David. My God. We all know the story of David. Jesse had seven sons. And Samuel came looking for, because God told Samuel to go into the house of Jesse, and that's where he would find the next king. We know that Saul was the king. The people wanted Saul because at that time God was working through the prophets, not through a king. Their king was God. Hallelujah. But he was talking to the prophets, and the prophet's name was Samuel. But the people wanted to be like all the other nations around. All the other heathen nations had a king, but they had a prophet who God spoke through. And they did well. They prospered. They were healthy. But they wanted a king. They yelled, we want a king. We want a king. So God gave them a king called Saul. But this lesson is not about Saul. This lesson is about David. When Saul messed up, God sent that same prophet to a man called Jesse who had seven sons. And he was to anoint the future king. So Jesse heard that, and he lined all his sons up, all six of them. And Samuel went from brother to brother, and then each brother, he would go to them, and God said, that's not the one. Finally, he got to the sixth one. God said, that's not the one. So Samuel asked Jesse, is there yet another child? Is there yet another son? So Jesse said, well, yeah, but he tends the sheep. As if to say, well, he's nothing. He's not that much. That's my youngest son. He's too young to be king. You know what? God will call you at any age. So he called in David, like Jesse said. And when David was called in, God quickened Samuel's spirit. And said, that's the one. Now, here comes David in smelling like sun. He's been sweating out there in the sun. And he smells like sheep. The other one had gotten themselves fixed up because they knew Samuel was coming. Hair cut, smelling all good, all clean. Here comes little David in through the door. Yes, Father. Smelling like all outdoors, literally. And the Lord told Samuel, that's the one. And Jesse was shocked. David's father was shocked. That one? Yeah, it was that one. So it doesn't matter what you look like, what you smell like. If God chooses you, God chooses you. He would take you from tending sheep to the palace. Now, that took 13 years. 
because Saul would not give up the office of king. And oh, there were many close calls. It even got to the point, even though David was called as king, that David ended up hmm, in Saul's palace as a servant. David played the harp. See, Saul had some mental problems. David played the harp. That was the only thing that would calm Saul down. But not only that, Saul would throw a spear at David. David missed that spear many times. He figured out that Saul did not like him. So David went back out, and he started tending sheep again. So his father sent him, knowing who he was, knowing that he had been chosen as king, his father sent him out to give his brothers lunch because they were out there on a battlefield. The Philistines were giving them a fit out there. Now, in those days, the Philistines were giants. Mm. There was this Philistine whose name was Goliath, and I think they said he was like nine foot tall. And here goes little David, around 17 years old. He's going out there to take his brother lunch, and one of his brothers asked him, what are you doing out here, little boy? And David said, I came to bring you lunch, like Father said. So he said, all right. So David asked him, what's going on out there? Who's that with all the yelling? And his brother told him, there's nothing you can do. Go back home. Go ahead and tend the sheep. So David asked somebody else, and they told him what was going on. And David went into, I think they took David into Saul, who was hiding out in a tent. Because he was scared to death of Goliath. They all were. Goliath came up to a certain point and challenged them to a battle. Because he looked at them and he knew what he looked like. So he said, I'm going to kill him. He said, who's going to challenge me? You know how a bully is. Who's going to mess with me? Come on, and I will take you and do this and do thus and so. Uh-huh, and then you all will be my slaves. Sure. Anyway, David said, told Saul that he could take him. He said, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear, and I can take that giant. See, David was not looking at how big Goliath was. In David's mind, in David's mind, David was saying, okay, y'all worried about his size, but I'm looking at him. I know what I can do. If I can kill the lion and I can kill the bear, then this man is too big for me to miss. So let me at him. That's my language. That's not what the Bible says. That's my language. No, I'm not changing the word, but that's what it was. I don't have the and dolls in it. But what he was saying that man is too big to miss. And he knew how to kill the lion and kill the bear. He had used a sling to do it before. So Saul let him out, and he gave him his armor. And David went out in his armor. Yeah. You ever seen your child come, they're dressing in your clothes. They're three or four years old. You're a grown person. And they come out there with your dress, and it looks like a gown that's three times, three times too big for them. 
or they're your pants, and they've got to roll the pants up, and they're still too long for. Well, it looked he looked like a child dressed in his parents' clothes, cause he saw was a big man. David was not, but David told him he said, "I can't do this." He said, "These things are going to hinder me." So he took Saul's armor off, and he went running toward Goliath, and Goliath laughed at him, and he said, "What am I, a dog?" That you're going to send this little boy to me? Uh-huh. David ran toward Goliath, took this thing, because he said, I have five smooth stones. And those stones he took out of his pocket. He didn't have to use but one. And he took that thing, that slingshot, and pow, right in the midst of Goliath's head. Now, I always say, okay, he's a young man. He's 17 years old. That rock that he had, that smooth stone that he had, I believe, and this is not in the Bible, I believe God's power got behind that stone, and that's what knocked Goliath out. He didn't kill Goliath with that stone, but he hit him in a specific place, in a strategic place that knocked him out. Down Goliath went, boom. And David quickly went, took his sword, which was <laughs> just as tall as David or more, and it was huge. He took that sword and cut Goliath's head off and won the battle. Needless to say, 13 years he was out there in the wilderness, and Saul was after him. He killed the giant, all of that, but it took 13 years before he could occupy the throne. But let me tell you, I say all of that to say this. No matter what's going on in your life, if God has called you, if God has said it, then it will be so. For he is faithful who promises. This is Portia Mike from Reaching the Masses Ministry and our Noonday Prayer. Have a wonderful day. In Jesus, amen. Now, keep that on. Okay. I am finished with the blog talk ready. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.